Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Welcome to the future of esports marketing. I'm your host, Rebecca Langawa. And today on the show, I have Daniel Hurst. Daniel is an award-winning esports industry veteran, as we all know, and he's currently the chief revenue officer at Mission Control. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Dan and I, we also are both involved with Stadia Ventures, and we first met a couple of years ago on a project with Street Factory Media. Your career started out with an internship at the Denver Broncos. Tell us a little bit about how your career has evolved since working on an internship in traditional sports. You know, when I started my career, I knew I always wanted to be around passion. I think being around brands that have a passion, sports, esports, it's all built around this idea of fan passion. And that's where I always felt attached to and where I wanted to go. I, I knew that's what drove me and, and where I look. So I, as you mentioned, started with the Denver Broncos, was lucky enough out of college. It was an amazing experience. I got to be on the field when Payne threw 509 in the corner of the end zone. I, I had this really amazing experience of just thousands of fans and feeling connected to that experience. But kind of shortly after, I, I went over to another opportunity to take on a larger role with the city of Denver. But I was missing that true passion. We were an agency of the city of Denver, but I didn't feel attached to the brand. And at the same time, I started playing Counter-Strike, get into Counter-Strike. With Counter-Strike, it's really cool that within the actual game, they host their live majors and their events. And what I saw was an event in Cologne, Germany, hosted by ESL with thousands of fans going crazy. And it just felt like the same atmosphere of what I was used to in traditional sports with a different demographic, a demographic that at the time, as I looked out, looked like myself. And I knew this was you know, six years ago that this was something I wanted to be a part of. I saw that passion. I saw what was happening. I saw that this is kind of where the future was moving. And was fortunate enough then to turn that networking, building myself up within the industry and, and landing a spot and a job with ESL actually in New York. So the event I saw, the company I was hosting, that's where I ended up. It was an amazing opportunity being in New York because at the same time, they were just building out that office. So I was one of four people. It, it put me in rooms that I had no business being in as I was kind of riding this roller coaster of, of esports and you know the excitement of what was happening in it, sitting down with every sports commissioner, every brand, whatever it might be, and just taking kind of a fire hose of knowledge as, as fast as I can, which really powered and drove. Circle back on the story, I, I then saw this position of teams starting to understand their value and influencers. And as we've shifted kind of this marketing strategy over to influencers, saw an opportunity as Jerry Jones bought Complexity Gaming, came down to be the chief revenue officer down in, in Dallas, where I am now, met this group at Stadia and got to spend more time with you and, and a larger group, including Austin and Byron, who were working at Stadia at the time, saw an opportunity and, and built a product for themselves and how they like to game. And, and I reflected in that as well and seeing the opportunity and now ended up at, at Mission Control. So that's the short, brief, kind of long version of, you know, circular version of how, how I'm sitting in the seat today. 
the thing that I love about it truly is you have been so open to just try new things and be extremely moldable. I know when you were at ESL, we worked on the Totino's bucking couch, which was this huge high touch point, immersive experiential activation. And then at Complexity Gaming, that was an exciting time as well. You know, the, the pace was also drinking from a fire hose, doing so many new things. I mean, creating a brand new facility, bringing in naming rights partnerships and all of these things that, you know, you're trying to figure out as the world is evolving, you know, the future of experiential marketing and experiential activations is kind of up in the air. And it's interesting that the way you've been so open to evolve your career and jump kind of feet first into new opportunities has brought you to mission control, which really has the ability to, to scale at a pace that is also very rapid and you can bring a lot of thought leadership there, but it, it also fills a huge void and a huge gap for kind of the, the entire community for every man to get involved in gaming where we can't have the live events and those big experiential activations. So, I mean, tell me about mission control, the platform and, you know, really where is it fitting in the existing landscape right now? Yeah, no, great question. So, you know, as I mentioned, my two previous esports experience, one is we've talked about as ESL. So it's the large scale events around the globe, top leagues, the organizer of esports tournaments and events, and then with a professional team. And what I saw there was that everyone, all of the new money, all the new infrastructure, everything that was coming into the space was built around the top percentage of gamers. So the super elite professional gamers, obviously the fandom around that as well. But as we've seen with the growth of video games, there's a massive amount of players that are outside that top skill level. Even as tournament platforms and amateur leagues and varsities programs and colleges and high schools come on board, it's still focused at that highly competitive you know, group of individuals. And then there's people like myself who love playing video games. And I used to play sports and I played soccer in college. And I looked for that competitive mindset and that competitive social experience, but I'm not great at video games. So I wanted to have that same feeling of structure and competition and social experiences that I have in traditional sports if I play in a men's league soccer or if it was intramurals in college in video games, the other hobby and passion I love. So we built the platform really to focus around that for this larger gap of players out there who are looking for structure and social experiences around something they love, video games, that at its core is naturally competitive. So it plays into it well. So we've built mission control as a platform to really organize it. I think that's the big thing that's been missing around amateur or online esports is that organization and structure. You know, you and I can hop on and play Call of Duty Warzone or Fortnite or whatever it is, but we're still one of hundreds of thousands of people online. We don't have an identity. We don't have a community for the structure around it. So how can mission control help and support that? And I think that's been really powerful to see as we've had brands and companies and all these different types of groups, right? When we went out and said the business, we were thinking, all right, who's going to be our customer? And it's been amazing to see a little bit of what you're talking about of staying nimble, looking at different groups. If it's now the Special Olympics or brands or colleges, parks and rec departments, whatever it might be, we understand that these groups have individuals who are looking for that community, especially through video games as you know, popularity continues to grow, especially during COVID, that we want to kind of build on and help support. 
So mission control is kind of like, you know, video game leagues for, for friends or, or existing friends, or you can find your own community, um, Discord or other channels. What's that user journey feel like? Am I downloading an app? Am I, am I going to a website? How do I engage with mission control? How do I start? Totally. So there's two sides of kind of the the equation there, right? We have our organization. So our organizations host their leagues. It's like hosting almost a Facebook page where you can have events within it. They're hosting that and run that through their web browser. But for the user, it's a mobile app. So it's free to download. They can download their mobile app. They can join any organization that they feel passionate about. If it's their college, their favorite sports team, their favorite brand, they jump in and now you're part of that community. So you can get updates and notifications from that organization kind of in a message board style. But once you pick your league, the game you want to play in, you can have a real community. You can communicate back and forth with the others. But the really important part of it is thinking about engagement and repetitive engagement. So we specifically stayed away from tournaments and started with leagues because we wanted that experience where each week you get a comeback, no matter what happened the previous week. You can lose, you can win. You know, Austin, our our co-founder, tells the story that he plays men's league soccer and every week they lose. But they come back every week for the social experience and drinking the beer after. We want to emulate that. And what that's done is we've seen massive amounts of engagement and and users sticking on our platform, which has been so exciting. So thinking about how we can build that league, but they come in, to your point, the user joins the league, they play their matches, everything is structured through the app. So you can see your standings, your schedule, the opponents, your stats, all that through the app. You still play your game just you know as you would through an Xbox, but we're helping provide structure and, and connect the community through the, the physical app. I like that. You know, one thing you said about not getting kicked out. You know, say you're just a novice player, you can't you're a you're a you know a young parent and and you can't be playing, you know, Call of Duty every day or yeah. even every, you know even four times a week, maybe you really just have like your Thursday night, you're going to carve out your Thursday night. This is an ability to play with people who are maybe the same skill set as you. Because one thing that I've noticed is if you sign up to do a bracketed tournament and you're, you just don't have the same skill set, you get killed right away. You're defeated. Maybe you paid 20 bucks to join this tournament and then you're just kind of out. This creates the ability, just like a pickup game of basketball where you're playing with people kind of the same bunch of college basketball players or the NBA players and just get your ass kicked night after exactly. night. I think that's a really great solution. I think it, it brings a ton of scalability. Where, what age range are you guys seeing the most adoptability with your platform? Yeah, so it's been really interesting. With our early customers and where we saw the first long large amount of movement was built around colleges. So we saw a lot of college age individuals jump on the platform, be really engaged, right? It's a way for them to connect even in their dorm rooms with the other people on campus, make new friends groups, feel like they have an identity on campus, which has been really powerful. As we've seen with COVID and, and everything happening, a lot of the traditional stick and ball groups are looking to us as a digital opportunity for their communities to still stay engaged. So we've had a ton of government and park and rec departments and groups around, and that shifted our demo a little bit younger as well. So we run a lot of leagues for kind of 13 to 17. So that middle school, young high school age, but then still that young kind of 20s group. So that's where most of our our groups are, you know, fitting out. We try and keep it above 13 just for kind of data issues and, and just making sure we're, we're creating a safe environment. But really those two kind of pockets have been our strength of, of kind of our, our fan base and our users. I love that. I love that's where you're finding success. What are some of the current 
successes and challenges just due to, to COVID that you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, we've, you know, I, I don't want to sound kind of a person taking on a, a positive of the the horrible situation that's going on, but we've been fortunate enough to really bring on a lot of new groups. There's definitely been some setbacks. We had a lot of groups. So our platform supports in-person and online experiences. And we had some really cool in-person events planned and, and programs bound. GameStop was creating these new experiential stores in Tulsa that we had just started all this momentum around. So if you think about your GameStop store, now it is all experiential. You go in, you sit at a computer, you sit on Xbox in front of a screen, you can play games. And we started to see that momentum really creating those you know, IRL experiences, in real life experiences with individual community come together. So that's been a little little hard. Okay, we've taken a step back there. Even working with Dallas Parks and Rec, they're saying, hey, for our community centers, we want to bring children in and have the experience in our in our home, in our rec mm-hmm. centers. Now people have had to shift to digital and online, but it's been really cool to see how we can keep the engagement up. We've seen all of our groups continue to grow. We've seen the interest continue to grow from our organizations and really just providing this outlet for a time where we need community, we need social structure the most to be able to provide that through mission control. We've seen a lot of success, fortunately, and we're excited to continue just to build on that. I love that. GameStop is just a a massive brick and mortar retail store. Are there other visions for integrating brand partners, whether it's live or virtually within your platform? I mean, is Mission Control a, a sponsorable asset? Yeah, definitely. I think the amazing thing from a brand or any organization is it's ownable, right? So you as the brand can come onto our platform. Again, if that brand is a college or it's a brand like Miller Coors, you can come on and and own the platform. So you own the first party data. You're creating true touch points and engagements with your fan base, with your users and providing direct value right through the platform. So the ability to reward users for doing what they love, I think is one of the most powerful things right now in marketing. And our platform really gives you the tool to do so, which I think is just perfect for any brand coming on. So any brand, again, if it's a college, if it's a professional sports team, if it's a consumer brand or retail brand, anyone who has a fan base who's trying to build a touch point with that user, Mission Control really provides that option for you to come on and and be that outlet. And I think the other piece of it is we look at gaming. I think gaming is pushing into a new medium of entertainment. You know, we're starting to see it blend across so many different areas and it really be this passion point that you need to start to talk to your users around. And I think even from a marketing standpoint, so a little bit what you're getting about is if we can think about more of engagement versus impressions. So this is direct, right? You're providing value, you have your fans engaging. I think that's really where the value is coming through for, for our partners. I agree. It feels like it gives an opportunity for a brand, even a non-endemic brand, I mean, especially a non-endemic brand, to authentically enter the esports landscape, really low risk. You know, when when I say low risk, I mean, um, if you're going to come in and, and work directly with influencers or streamers or even a team, you're kind of at the will of not only the team or streamer, you know, gamer performance, but mm-hmm. also that the brand equity equity, you're, you're kind of locked in and, and tied there. This yeah. gives brands an opportunity to really be owners within the esports space and, and create, not only create a community with their existing consumers or customers, yeah. but, but grow and expand who those customers might be. How do you keep Mission Control a safe place for brands? Yeah. I, you know, I think the 
that's the chat with any internet business or any group that is hidden behind kind of the, the wall of the internet. We've made it a major focus of ours to think about how we create a safe space in gaming, you know, preventing bullying, preventing harassment, and really just encouraging the, the benefits of gaming, the social experience of it. So we are building out, you know, custom moderation tools and tools that are going to help shape how we're controlling those conversations or that connection between the brands. So as we continue to develop our software, build it out, that's one of the highest priorities that we have because I think that's really important to us. We've also stayed away from things like voice chat. So we can really monitor and understand what that experience is. We're building tools that provide feedback on players so we can start to flag individuals just like sportsmanship and sports. So really building about a robust set of tools to make sure that it's a safe space is a, a huge and high priority for us. And is AI a tool that you guys are leveraging to to monitor those and 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 flag some of those types of concerns? Yeah, as the software in the program sits now, not necessarily, but we're in active conversations with partners and our development team to understand that, right? Different points of where we can prevent these kind of topics or bullying or harassment, right? If it starts with the initial message that someone's typing. Once it's typed, how do we evolve and stay up to date with kind of the evolution of the internet harassment, slang? So just, you know, providing and building out a better tool set is is top priority for us. I love that. The Gamer, um, you guys were just featured in The Gamer, and they said Mission Control really helps make gaming friendlier and more fun. And I really liked that because it, it does feel like a really safe community that yeah. really, you know, kind of nurtures a place where people do feel safe and they, and it is fun and, and it, and it appears to be like an extremely friendly solution. That article also mentioned a future plan, you know, maybe over five years plus to grow internationally. What yeah. does that look like? What are the barriers to, to, I, I don't know if a lot of people understand when you've got an app or you're working on a platform and it's US-based or UK-based, what, what's that process? How does something scale internationally? What are the challenges that go along with that? Yeah, I mean, I think the amazing thing about gaming is the ability to scale internationally, right? That versus traditional sports, you don't need a field to physically be there. You can have competition. And as technology continues to evolve, as connectivity continues to evolve, if it's 5G now or just better internet or, you know, understanding kind of different data and, and the ability to ping off of whatever that might look like internationally, we're starting to see the opportunity to really expand and create larger communities than just the hyper-focused local, which I think is really interesting. But to your point, when we move into other countries, there's a lot of different things that we have to be concerned about if it's just regulations of those countries, cultural differences of those countries, as we talk about kind of safe spaces and providing that experience, but then even just on the back end, making sure that the languages are, you know, built out correctly on the platform so that the experience stays linear and in the right direction. So it gets down to the little details of kind of even that kind of minutia. But I think as we look, as you kind of mentioned, there's a massive opportunity for us to continue to scale, to build out the software to support that. And I think as we've built our software to be pretty straightforward recreational software, we're fortunate that there aren't many challenges kind of in front of us in, in that sense. Once you get past some of the regulations, it really is, let's change over kind of some of the languages and those nuances because the infrastructure of kind of recreational sports or esports is pretty pretty simple. And I think that's also really helped us even here in the US start to acquire customers. So it doesn't need to be 
an expert who knows everything about gaming. You need to know how to structure a league, right? When's it start? When's it end? How often are you playing? At the end of it, does someone win money? Does someone win a prize? Do they win a t-shirt? What does that look like? So so many individuals, especially through our organizations, understand that. Let us, Mission Control, be the experts around gaming, help the software guide you through that, and let's make it super simple. That's amazing. You mentioned the ability to you know, win money and win prizes. What does, yeah. what's, what's that all about? Sure. I mean, it's completely set by our organization, right? So as an organization, again, we go back to your voice, you set that. If that is, you know, a championship belt, like some of our parks and rec groups have done, if it's just an intramural t-shirt, like most of our colleges do, or if it's, you know, working with a brand who's giving out their brand at the end or a discount or whatever it is or an experience, right? All of that is directed by the organization. As you think about what is the value you're giving back to your users, but at the end of the day, the users are really just looking for the social experience and, and kind of the structure. So it's not, when we think about recreational, it's not about millions of dollars. It's about how do we create that you know fun, friendly atmosphere where you're coming back each week, as we've talked about, that isn't fully driven by necessary prize money. So for us, it, it's, it's more about how do we create a fun experience? How do we provide value back to our fans? A lot of our organizations I mentioned have done things like championship belts, which I think are so cool and so fun, or even just a, we'll go these crazy responses from someone trying to get an intramural t-shirt. You know, They're just blown away by, by playing video games. They've got that intramural t-shirt. So it's been a really fun experience to say, but it, to kind of your point, it's still about being fun. It's about this kind of safe space. It's about just supporting supporting their habit passions more than anything of kind of the, the top level competition. And we've talked a lot about companies, brands, organizations outside of esports mm-hmm. utilizing this as a way to get in and to build community and deepen existing community. But one thing we haven't talked about is within the existing esports ecosystem and our own industry, this could also be leveraged by a pro team, um, a franchise team and league to really deepen that fan engagement and be leveraged to, to get that gear out, to get that merch out, to create safe competitive spaces where um, it's just like another another yeah. layer for for community. Have you have you been speaking to the teams? What's what's the temperature there? Yeah, we've been speaking to a few teams and and have a few coming on the platform soon. I think you're right. As they look at it, and as I've looked at it from even my background at Complexity, it's a really unique opportunity in the esports space to own your own first person data around your fan base. You know, most of the fan bases through professional esports teams are built around Twitch or Twitter or someone else's platform. And getting that first-person data is really difficult. Versus if you think about traditional sports, they rely heavily on ticket sales and merch sales and, and some of these other you know avenues that, sure, we might have a little bit in esports, but not to the scale that a professional sports team like down here, the Dallas Cowboys has. So thinking about how you can create engagement around first-party data makes a ton of sense for these professional teams. It's also a really powerful way to stay agnostic in some ways. You know, Our platform isn't built for a specific game, it's built for all games. So how can you create and create touch points around any game, but then also when a new game pops up, how can we support you instantly being relevant in it, right? Valorant, Riot's new game pops up. How do you create a Valorant league where your fans can now show off? And maybe this even is a tryout or an opportunity for any of your fans to show off your skill. It's really creating that platform, again, for engagement, first-party data that these brands, like any other brand out there, can start to leverage. I think traditional sports should be paying attention to this as well. I mean, 
especially from data aggregation and having a, a funnel to engage with your season ticket holders or your premium yep. ticket holders. I really believe that this has a ton of opportunity in that space as well. I know you're doing a lot with the rec sports yeah. leagues. Have you guys really a- approached the pro teams at this at this stage? Yeah. So we've been fortunate enough. We were part of the Future of Sports Lab program up in Toronto. So that's Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment's program. So we've worked with them to start to roll out a pilot around the Toronto Raptors and the uh, Maple Leafs as well. So we're seeing some of that traction move, which has been awesome to have an early adapting partner jump on board with us, as well as Monumental Sports Entertainment out in DC. They even looked at our platform during COVID of how do we use this as a platform for our athletes? They're all at home. They can't stay connected. They all like playing video games. Maybe we provide this as a resource for them. So it's been cool to see just how different brands look at it. But I think as you've talked about, you know, building a brand, you need to, especially in traditional sports, get them young. That fandom starts from a very young age. It's the first jersey they wear. It's watching their favorite, you know, Michael Jordan on TV as we look back at the last dance now, or it's LeBron these days, whatever that is, that starts young. Like my favorite stories of the Denver Broncos they actually have a program with one of their hospital partners that you're born in a Broncos country. So when you're born, your parents can elect for you to be born in a Broncos country. They put a beanie on you, a Broncos beanie. They give you a Broncos birth certificate. So your earliest picture is you in a Broncos beanie. Okay, you're a Broncos fan, right? So how do we create these younger engagement opportunities around fandom and touch points as they think about how their fandom is going to you know, continue to age out? We need to get younger. You know, video games and esports is a great opportunity. So them leveraging our platform to start to understand that data, those users provide value has already seen to work and, and I think will continue to grow and evolve. That's awesome. So we've chatted about how how brands can really utilize this to market themselves. How are you as an organization marketing the mission control platform? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing we've seen from a marketing angle is supporting our partners and helping them tell their stories. I think that's where we've seen the largest amount of success. We had an amazing article in Campus Rec Magazine with Duke University, one of our first clients, talking about how they're using the platform. I think if we can just create a platform to share our partner's stories, we're going to see the benefits of because that's the voice that we really want to talk about. We want to show success through their voice. So we've really talked about how do we enable our users and our organizations to really drive that narrative and drive that scale? Even if it's just when you're on our platform, we provide marketing materials for our organizations. We help them from a support angle. We want them to grow. And then as they grow, we want to tell that story with them. So really enabling our partners, giving them a platform to speak is kind of how we see the the mission control brand and, and marketing strategy continuing to evolve. That's awesome. And then outside of the platform itself, how are you engaging with that existing audience, the actual players that are that are working within your platform? How are you attracting new customers or are you leaving that up to your brand clients? It's a little bit up to our brand clients, but with the assistant help of ourselves. So we've helped and built out playbooks and strategies that our organizations and our clients can use to help scale and build that. We've done some stuff of kind of grassroots marketing reach out. If you think about GameStop in Tulsa, we went to the universities, we went to land centers, we went to you know, Facebook pages of moms and said, we want to make sure you're aware of what's happening in your community. So we've assisted a lot of our partners on that front. And we've looked at kind of our social platform and how can we build that and leverage, again, the stories. But 
at the core, it's really about finding a, a community or an organization that fits you. So it's not really about the mission control brand. Yes, we want to build it. We want to create the credibility to it. We want people to be familiar with it. But it's as a user, you're coming on for a specific brand or organization that you feel strong about or a community you want to be a part of. So we need to think about how we help them grow their communities more than just the mission control brand on its own. Smart. I like that. What games do you guys currently have kind of up and running and what's on the horizon? Yeah, so we started this past fall with just a beta. The first game we picked up was Rocket League. We quickly added NBA 2K. Since then, we've added all the traditional sports simulation games. That's Madden, NBA 2K, FIFA, MLB The Show, and NHL 20. We've also had Rocket League, Mario Kart, Super Smash Brothers, and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. This month, we're adding Fortnite, Call of Duty Warzone, and Apex Legends. And then what we're super excited about, what we're working towards is August 1st, we're coming out 2.0 of our software. We're going to have over 20 different games on the platform at that point and the ability to go up to 6v6. So right now, we do 1v1 matches and 2v2, so two teammates on team. Starting with that August 1st date, we'll have up to six teammates, a larger kind of free agency model. So anyone can come on the platform, find their team and find their group. But that kind of flexibility of going up to 6v6 now opens up games like Counter-Strike and Overwatch and Valorant, which we're super excited about. But we're also excited about adding things like mobile gaming. Um, what's been so interesting is I look at game titles of where I came from, from professional esports to now kind of the recreational side. On the professional side, you really care about what, how many people watch a game. Right, Play is important, but it's really about how many eyeballs are attracted to that game, because that's what you're monetizing. You don't have the monetization of the actual game and the user base. You're monetizing how many people are watching or engaging with it. Now, as Mission Control, we care about what do people want to play, which has been such a fun opportunity with things like Mario Kart, with Rocket League, and, and now mobile gaming. Even though you know mobile gaming is lagging a little bit from a viewership standpoint, although growing quickly, we have the ability to create you know, accessibility games. Why not have something like even Word with Friends where you can come on and compete in a league or whatever that might be because so many people are playing that game across different demographics. So that's the really exciting thing for us from kind of a game and IP standpoint is that we're looking at it from a, a much wider scope of games. We want to, we care about what people play and then create community and structure around those games. That's phenomenal because, I mean, there's a large, large percentage of of women, especially in their 20s and 30s, that are really into mobile gaming, but probably not as high of a percentage of, of them are, you know, doing console games or or streaming online. So I think it opens up a broader reach, which is a lot more attractive to to brands as well, because now they're kind of hitting every category of their existing key demographic. Yeah. And even just the accessibility in terms of income and, and what people are able to afford. You know, an Xbox, especially the new generation or new generation PlayStation or a gaming PC, even though games might start to be free if it's Fortnite or Warzone, it's still an expensive purchase. So the ability just to have access to a phone, you don't need to own the smartphone, you don't need to own it, it could be your parents, but to have the access to it just really opens us up to a, a wider demographic that can now play and participate on Mission Control. So if you and I were playing, we were on a team and it was a, a 2v2 game, do we have to be on the same type of system? Could I play on my PC and you're playing sure. on console? Yeah, so it completely depends on the game. So what 
has been really unique as the shift in kind of gaming is before it used to be really console specific. So people, the console providers were trying to own the IP. Now we're starting to see cross-platform, which has really opened the ability for different groups to play with each other, which is really impactful. So games like Rocket League or Call of Duty, now if you're on a computer and I'm on an Xbox or a Switch or whatever it might be, we can start to play against each other or with each other. So that level of accessibility, and I think that's the trend of where we're seeing games going as well. Like MLB The Show for the first time is saying we're not just going to do PlayStation, we're going to do Xbox and other platforms as well. That's the trend where we're going, and I think you're going to see people competing on their mobile phone against people on the Switch, against the Xbox, against you know their computer, which is really fun, and, and it brings groups you know closer together as well. That's amazing. What else do I need to know about, about Mission Control? It's really just been built around community. Our, our goal as a platform, <clears throat> even larger than the recreational esports leagues, is how do we support communities around these digital passions? You know, video games being the one we're, we're obviously hyper focused on, but we want to commute. We want to build those communities. We even have groups like Dallas Parks and Rec who are saying we don't care about the competition. We want to create kind of clubs where it's just like an after-school program or club through your platform where each week they come and they hang out and they can talk and be social through the platform in a controlled environment. So again, however we can support communities that are digitally enabled, I think is really our, our passion, our focus and where we want to take it. And I think looking at kind of, as we've talked about in different lenses, the wider demographics. So it's not really just for those elite gamers. It's not just for the people who can afford a gaming computer. It's really for anyone who has a passion around gaming. If it is, you know, a mom with their kid at home playing a mobile game, or it's a 15-year-old kid upstairs in his room playing on his computer, we really want it to be a community for everyone um, that has this passion around gaming that we can connect and give an identity to. So I think that's been the, the really exciting piece of it is just instead of being one of hundreds of thousands of people out there online, you now have a community, you now have an identity, you have a group that you can kind of rely on and build and, and structure around. Awesome. So we've told our listeners that they can download Mission Control via the Apple Store as an app. What if our listeners are, maybe I'm a consumer brand sure. and I want to start having conversations about what Mission Control could look like for my organization. How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so there's two kind of easy ways. The first is simply going to our website, missioncontrol.gg. We have a brand new website coming out. It's going to be beautiful. We're super excited about that. That will give you even a little bit more information on the platform as well as a direct line into myself or our sales team, or even if you're a user, into our support team that can help you get on the platform or any of that information. So that's the easiest. And then on the flip side, you know, I have an open inbox and open LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn through Daniel Hers or through my inbox at daniel at missioncontrol.gg. So happy to kind of help any of those groups that in, in any direction at least you know, have a conversation with me or, or point in the right direction of where we can help find them and, and you know, create success. And if I'm like a, a CMO from a, from a big box brand and get in touch with you, do I go through a demo? What does that feel like for me? Do I need sure. to bring a large team together? Um, where, like, how has that structurally been when you've been talking to like a GameStop? 
Yeah, so you know, it depends a little bit on where you as the organization or the brand are in your journey. A lot of what I've done over the past six years is just helping brands understand the space a little bit better. So even before we get into a demo, helping them understand kind of, here's what your brand is, here's how you can fit into the space, here's the opportunities that are in front of you, not just mission control, but the larger kind of esports and video game space. I think that's important to understand as a brand first. Then once we can say, hey, I think mission control is a great opportunity for you, there's a really interesting interest. We love to walk through a demo, show you through the platform, show you how other groups are utilizing it, really you know, help you picture your brand through that experience has been super helpful. But it, it, just with how new esports is and video games is, it's a little bit of a, a consultation as well of just understanding here's the value proposition that your brand can play in this, this larger ecosystem. I love that. I love that you're looking at it from this strategy and, and consultancy level as well, because I would imagine there's layers to how a brand would want to engage with mission control and the broader community. So gosh, I just, I love it that you were able to share so much insight. I am obviously very familiar with mission control, but I learned immensely. I like learned so much just from spending 45 minutes talking about it a little bit more in depth. I think when Austin and Byron, who are the founders of mission control first reached out to me you know, like a year and a half ago, talking about this from an ideation standpoint, it has just stretched and grown and evolved and really has been something that just fits like where the world is right now. And I'm really excited to see where you guys go long term in the future. So thanks for coming on and sharing so much about your platform. And I just wish you guys continued success. Well, thanks for having me. This has been a ton of fun and I always enjoy speaking with you, especially about mission control. So i um, glad we were able to do this and, and share it. Yeah. And it's good to see your face. I haven't seen you now for, it feels like ages and ages. I know. I need to get a haircut soon. <laughs> Everybody needs a haircut. I'm kind of liking the regrowth on mine. I, I'm, I'm going to be fine with it. I'm not, there too, you go. I'm not too sad about it. <laughs> And yeah, grown out roots is going to come back. I think that was hot like 10 years ago. Best of luck. Making a comeback. Good to know. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks a lot, Dan. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Rebecca. Sounds good. Bye.